Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Season 2. On the Season 2 premiere of Aka Education, Justin talks with Justin Critchfield, vocal percussionist, arranger, and producer about his musical journey. From his beginnings in Dayton, Ohio, to his current work with Revoiced, Justin talks about the extraordinary people he has worked with along the way and what lies ahead. Let's get ready. Aka Education starts now. It's the Aka Education Podcast. The Aka Education Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Justin Glodish and welcome to another episode of the Aka Education Podcast. We're here in season two and I have another Justin with me this week. He is an arranger, he is an audio engineer, he is a performer, he pretty much does it all. Um, I'm looking forward to picking his brain about everything today, and you should be too. Justin Critchfield, welcome to the Aka Education Podcast. Thank you so much, Justin. I am, I'm absolutely delighted to be here and talk all things acapella. Sweet. And Justin is a member of Revoiced. We actually had uh, Chris Rossi, one of the other members of Revoiced, on last season. Uh, but Justin does a lot more than just Revoiced. And the first thing I want to ask is, I know that you have a very strong musical background. You actually, um, you have an older brother who um, pretty much brought you to, I, I want to say, kind of gave you the influence to bring you where you are today. So tell me about your, your, up, your musical upbringing. Um, yeah. Um, so, uh, growing up, my, my, you know, my mom was always like very, she, she loved music. She loved singing. She loved Mariah Carey and kind of like sort of, uh, created a great environment for just like be yourself and like sing your heart out. Even if that was just her screaming to Mariah Carey as she like, uh, you know, did some tidying up during the weekends with our family. Um, Mm -hmm. but uh, I guess, yeah, at a very early age, my, my brother was absolutely someone that, uh, inspired me to join, uh, the music ranks in general. So, uh, at a very young age, I wasn't really doing, uh, a lot of that sort of thing, but my brother was doing various like talent shows and various like competitions like American Idol, like the voice and stuff like that. And so I was sort of seeing him do this from afar and, thinking, wow, that's really cool, but that's absolutely like not something that I'm doing. Like I want to, uh, study something else. I want to, you know, be something else. And I didn't really know what that was. And I think, uh, school was absolutely something that helped reinforce the idea that I wanted to, to pursue music actually. And as was my brother, but he was doing all these things at a very young age. Uh, and I was sort of seeing it from afar and in middle school, uh, this, idea of having to do music was, uh, one more time in middle school, I found that, uh, music was something you had to do. Uh, I love that about, uh, our school. There was basically a forcing of creative ideas. Like you had to be taking some sort of music extracurricular. And so, uh, I chose orchestra to be a little bit different from my brother. I was hitting that age Mm -hmm. where, uh, 
I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not in my brother's shadow. I'm like a complete different person. And I, yeah. uh, you know, I have my own idea. So I picked up the viola, uh, was just, just horrendous at it. I didn't, uh, <laughs> I really struggled then. And I still think now as, um, I get older is, uh, just the idea of like practice. I was really, really <laughs> poor with the idea of practice. Cause, uh, I think orchestra was attempting to teach these like good habits as far as, uh, like, okay, uh, you have a little piece of paper that you need to go home and sign that like you study, you practice for 30 minutes a day, um, which <laughs> is nothing. 30 minutes a day is absolutely nothing. And still like there'll be times where I'm like, Hey mom, like if you could just say that I, I did that, that would be super. Uh, I really appreciate you being my mother. Um, do you know how many people are out there that, that do that still today? <laughs> I, I, I can't, I, I don't know. It's, I, I would rather the teacher focus on how to make practice or self-study uh, enjoyable and work on like, mm. here's how you can like make practice fun um, versus mm-hmm. it being this like institutionalized, like you will do this. Uh, it was one of the main right. reasons why like I didn't like doing that. And uh, but I did orchestra, didn't really like it that much. I felt it wasn't uh, like a very like there wasn't a lot of heart to it and a lot of like uh, free thinking and creative nature is very like you will be first chair, you know, you need to be better than these people who have been like studying it all their lives and this stuff. So, uh, after that point I switched to like doing choir and just like trying to see what the hype was about. Cause my brother talked about it very highly. Um, I think doing choir in school as well, like immediately sets up like community for you, uh, mm-hmm. just as a student, just, you know, having that environment to, uh, just all your friends are in choir. The things you like are very similar to the things that other choir members like. And so uh, I joined choir, found her like a huge community in that and uh, really like wanted to participate a lot. Uh, and then immediately whilst developing roots, uh, sort of got the word that I was going to be moving elsewhere. Uh, I moved elsewhere to Dayton, Ohio, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, on paper, it looked, uh, it, it, I, I had a lot of questions, you know, Ohio is basically Iowa. Iowa is basically Kansas. Uh, just these questions <laughs> of like, what is Ohio? And like, what is it going to, what is it going to bring from me or bring to me, right. uh, as a, mm-hmm. you know, a very young, young person. And so, uh, I was just so, so fortunate though, to, uh, to go there. And I think it was something that I was just just so fortunate because uh, the education program they had there regarding um, music and more specifically contemporary acapella uh, is a found was the foundation to everything I do now. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think if I didn't have that experience uh, participating in that program throughout my high school years, I would not be doing anything I'm doing right now. Yeah. So and this is uh, Centerville, right? Yes. Yes. Centerville. Yeah. Centerville, Ohio. Yep, for those of you that aren't aware, Centerville Forte is one of the top high school acapella groups in the country. The country. They're so good. And uh actually I, I like to think that Ohio itself is is a huge hotbed for contemporary acapella yes. between between you guys and then you know Kettering Fairmont's got some great groups over there. It's just it's awesome. Uh, that uh, contemporary acapella and the educators who bring it forth, you know, Mr. Ben Spaulding, um, you know, uh, over at Centerville just put together some great stuff. I interrupted you. Sorry. Continue. Not at all. Oh my goodness. I, I completely agree. Uh, Ben and the way he ran his program and, uh, the almost like 
I don't know. It would, it would, it was all just a big dream, really. It was sort of the mm-hmm. the situation in which like uh, the school really respected Forte, uh, just like the school body in general. So it was almost like sort of uh, everyone goes through young schooling and is worried about like being cool, like being accepted, and all this stuff, which are very mm-hmm. core issues. But uh, being a part of that like acapella system, there was like a almost like sort of like an exemption card as far as like. Uh, you know, all the sports kids are the cool kids and, you know, it, it was totally not that way. And I think, mm-hmm. uh, I just absolutely love the community that, uh, Ohio and Centerville and Forte sort of brought, uh, to me. And I really like created a, a foundation and family there, but, uh, at a very, uh, I moved there as a freshman and my brother joined the group, uh, as a junior, cause he is two years older than me. And it's always been mm-hmm. this sort of shining light to me. So he joined it and I was like, yes, I like, I love singing. I love choir. And so I absolutely want to do the same thing. Uh, he immediately joined, uh, cause he has just a wonderful voice. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it took a, a little bit of time for me to get there as well. But that was also when I was dabbling with the idea of vocal percussion in general, uh, up until mm-hmm. this point, I had absolutely heard nothing of the, like of what vocal percussion was. I had watched the sing off a bunch, but I, I guess I didn't really have too many questions as to how I was hearing percussion. I wasn't mm-hmm. the guy that was like, they're making that with their mouth. How? <laughs> I, I was just like, I'm, I was focused on just anything else. I was like, there's yeah. a beat going from somewhere, but I'm not really reflecting on it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just a lot of um, upperclassmen to me were doing a lot of really cool stuff with vocal percussion. Uh, a good friend of mine, Charlie Arthur was sort of my like mm-hmm. VP predecessor um, who now does work for Peter Hollins uh, yeah. and is like a part of his core arranging team. Um, but uh, seeing Charlie do what he does, I was really, really inspired. And uh, I sort of took my own time to uh, just really hunker down and learn, like, how do I do VP? And it was the one thing that I found that when I like wanted to practice or tinker around with it, it didn't feel like practice. And that was mm-hmm. like a very like eye opening thing for me. Uh, because I did not like practice and I kind of hate practice. Um, and so I like sort of compartmentalizing it differently in my mind as to what uh, this sort of practice was. I really, really, I began to love vocal percussion. I uh, just basically tried to do it whenever I could. And so um, my sophomore year of school, I was just a singer in Forte and my junior year, uh, it was when this Charlie guy was leaving. I was like a big... Uh, sort of baton pass has to, yeah, a big baton pass. And mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of pressure there because uh, I totally agree, like Forte is one of like the top schools uh, or just one of the top, the, one of the top scholastic acapella groups uh, mm-hmm. out there. And they do a lot of things and there's a lot of uh, pressure on like competition since they participate in the ICHSAs, the International Championship of High School Acapella. Uh, yep. And have had a history of going to their finals many times. Uh, there's just a lot of pressure there. And uh, going into that year, uh, at the end of my sophomore year, I had heard of this new summer camp that was coming about. Uh, I'd been to ones previously like Camp Acapella or Acapella University. Uh, but this mm-hmm. one uh, was called the Acapella Academy, centered in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. Uh, yes. And I was... Hearing more about this uh, via Twitter and various social media places that like 
This is the, the, the acapella camp that Pentatonix will teach you how to be acapella. How do acapella? We shall teach. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, at, at that time, I was obviously a very, very large fan of them and had a lot of respect for those basically pioneering the industry and like making mm-hmm. contemporary acapella mainstream. Uh, so mm-hmm. I absolutely uh, auditioned and as did my brother, as did uh, Charlie, the sort of person who I've been look at, looking up to. Uh, and so we all got in, we all like had the, the pleasure of like going out there and like studying that stuff. And, uh, that developed even more of like a close knit, like family and community for me and our people that I still do work with to this day. Um, whether that be like actually paid work or whether that just be like various like collabs. Um, but Mm -hmm. that again was a, another like really strong foundational building thing. Uh, Mm. so after this summer camp, I sort of came into my junior year as, uh, this very fired up individual. Uh, (laughs) and I was like, yes, all things acapella. Acapella Academy is one of those camps that like at the end, you always like, you get the, the light switch situation. That's like, I want to do music as a career. And I don't know if I was someone who felt that, but I was just really fired up. I was like, this is awesome. I get to be the the vocal percussionist now of this group and, you know, lead it to great heights. And I think, uh, I think we did. And I uh, was really, really like happy to be a part of the, the group that uh, when Forte went to finals, we were like the first time we were ever able to like take first place at the finals level. And that was like another mm-hmm. big sort of uh, foundational building thing. Uh yeah. And it was one of those situations I was like, this is, this is really wonderful. I'm really like, it's just like a series of like really, really positive experiences and ones that I would not have had if I weren't in Dayton, Ohio of all places. I know. Right. Yeah. It's uh, you know, you, there is a lot that you, you just went through and, and it makes me realize how old I am. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's so funny because um, everything that you say is, is, uh, is so refreshing to hear, you know, because, um, there was no acapella Academy when I was in high school, you know, yeah. there was, um, I mean, and I was watching where in the world is Carmen San Diego yes, for my acapella, absolutely. For acapella, you know, and, um, it's so funny that, uh, hearing you talk about Charlie, cause I interviewed, we interviewed Charlie last, uh, last season as oh, well. And, yeah. you know, he's such a, such a great mind. And so it's, it's really a small world. The, the people that you, you have mentioned who, you know, they're part of this tight knit community that helped you really grow. And yeah. it, if, if it was, like you said, if it wasn't for this, you know, serendipitous m- moment of you moving to, you know, you said, oh, great, Ohio, cool. Uh, but, you know, right smack dab into into Dayton, you know, being a part of Forte and, and doing amazing things. Um, so one of the things that I really love that you said, and I think it's important for, you know, the listeners, whether they're educators or students or not, is that you came to a point with your vocal percussion where, um, I, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but the practice, it didn't feel like work. It didn't feel like you were, it, you were, it wasn't forced upon you. You know, you, you did it because you enjoyed it and you continue doing it because it was, it, it was fun. So can you just maybe talk a little bit about how, you know, 
what that feeling is like when you do something and it it's it's work but it's not work does that make sense yeah completely um right. yeah i i don't know it was um <clears throat> doing i don't it was something that was like so so new to me and i think especially uh i found that i really like I wanted to have my own individual, like unique experiences. And often um, when I was doing something, uh, like when I was trying orchestra, when I was trying choir, this was all like, oh, like it doesn't feel like an original idea. It feels like something mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, someone else did and I'm just sort of like piggybacking. But sort of VP was like the first thing that I was like, oh, I really like doing this. I feel uh, it feels really natural and I don't feel uh, sort of like insecure about it. Uh, and it was just something that felt really natural and also is something that like I could do at all times. Uh, I, I thank my parents for being so kind as I would be doing this like 24 seven around the house and in the car and at school and such like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I, I yeah, didn't my have parents too. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It was, it was something that I could do at all times and, uh, I guess the way that I would go about the practice as well helped a lot as well, because I really loved like listening to music. I was someone that would sort of like uh, drown out the outside noise with like my own music and stuff. And the way I would go mm -hmm. about it is like literally just like listening to music and doing how I think the drum should go on these songs. Uh, and some of that is like really easy when you have stuff like pentatonics music that actually has vocal percussion in it. And you know, you're right. just basically doing what this amazing, amazing, person did before or you're you know you're doing whatever so I found that because it was something that I could do all the time and also the way I would go about it is just really natural and doesn't feel like okay I'm starting the clock for 30 minutes like let's pack let's get my viola out and like play that I don't know it, it's yeah. so different <laughs> and just like felt so unique to me and I mm -hmm. I found too that some like vocal percussionists are either like called to action or they're just like, Oh, I like this stuff. I've heard someone else do it. And I really like it. And I think mm -hmm. both, both work great. Cause I know a lot of educators uh, struggle sometimes to do contemporary acapella because none of their students have interest in doing vocal percussion. Uh, right. And I think uh, sometimes it's a good idea to like see if people have that fire uh, and then trying to ignite it. Or sometimes it's just, Sometimes I think educators have a very good premonition about knowing what student would work really well as a vocal percussionist. And if they want to try it, you know, you give them that opportunity, but there is no like sort of forcing it on anyone. But I found mm -hmm. most of the time uh, when I work with educators, they're just like, I think this guy really likes like vocal percussion. Like, could you just like talk to this person? And so I go up and I'm like, why are you doing this? You know, do you mm -hmm. really enjoy it? Is this something that you know, you've been asked to do and they most of the time start with like, oh, like, well, I was asked with by my teacher, but then I like started doing some other research on YouTube and stuff about like how other people do it. And I just think it's really cool. And it's, uh, I think personally speaking as me, vocal percussion is one of those things that you could see the progress. Um, mm -hmm. a lot of skills, I feel like you never really see that progress unless you look like five years back of me singing. Wow. How horrible indeed versus like versus now. But I think with vocal percussion, you can like clearly see the steps like, wow, that mm -hmm. like 
this sound sounds more clean when I do it than like when I tried it like last week because I've been literally trying it all day. I don't know. It's like as you take time to build your skills, uh, you really see the progress. And I think that's a really appealing thing about vocal percussion in the first place. You see your progress. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, you bring up a good point, you know, uh, you know, some educators may say, oh, I, I think, you know, you say call to action, you, you do vocal percussion because we need vocal percussion. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, the, the student might not be truly interested in it. Um, but, you know, there are some of those fringe students, especially, you know, at the middle school level, there's some fringe students who, you know, might not be the strongest singers, but they have a great sense of rhythm. And, mm -hmm. you know, this is, this is something for them to, to latch onto and kind of build upon. And, you know, uh, I, one of the things that you also mentioned that I love is, is your, your practice, just the way that you practice, you know, you listen to songs and you beatbox or you vocal percuss how you think the drums should sound. Yeah. Or, you know, you, you create your own versions of it. And to me, that's, you know, that's a great, example of you know building your ear you know um a lot of you know a lot of people when they listen to music they're focused on the melody you know as you grow more inclined and more in tune to music you start maybe you start singing the harmonies when you're listening to songs on the radio or maybe you start you know i mean god being an acapella nerd uh, i'm trying to figure out how many parts i can arrange yeah. when i'm listening to a song and and you know the vocal percussion part is a, is an important aspect of that too so the the development of the ear training and just kind of developing that rhythm and really latching on to music is a, is a great way to practice vocal percussion um now one of the things that you do um outside of vocal percussion is you and i'm not you do a lot of audio production mm -hmm. and uh, for those of you that are on you know instagram and mostly TikTok, uh, there's a great group out there of of amazing voices who I believe met through TikTok mm -hmm. um, called Ear Candy. Yeah. Uh, now Ear Candy has some phenomenal, phenomenal singers. Um, actually, one of the singers in the group is also the mem a member of Citizen Queen, mm -hmm. um, which is a phenomenal female acapella group. Um, so you do a lot of the audio production for Ear Candy, mm -hmm. and um, how did how did that come about for you? So, oh, it was it's so 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 random. So it actually. Uh, it all sort of started because, um, while I was out, I, I was, while I was out on a gig for revoiced, uh, we were working with some high schools and some middle schools and all the students were like, Hey, do you guys have a TikTok?" Uh, and all of our members who are a little bit older than me were like, no, I don't even know what that is. Like, what's this TikTok <laughs> you speak of? Um, but I had heard about it and I was, uh, the vibe that I'd gotten from this app from Musical.ly to TikTok was this uh, sort of like different thing than what I would be able to contribute to. Um, and so I sort of, uh, I decided like, why not? Like literally what is the worst thing that could happen? Because uh, this was like right at the start of last year. Um, and mm. like just when the spring was hitting and like things were definitely changing as far as dynamic and how life is. Uh, so mm. I took the time uh, to basically get a TikTok for myself uh, and just try some things out. I had a lot of different interests and I had found that my specific interest was uh, like singing uh, Korean pop music or K-pop music uh, mm -hmm. and just uh, my family is Korean and while uh, I was trying to like learn the Korean language like primarily last year with all of my focus but I'd been learning it for a while 
uh, I was like singing Korean music, then also like working on my pronunciation and all this stuff. And so I basically built a habit out of singing these songs. And so uh, I was doing that a lot. I did like 105 days straight of like these like mini covers, you know, like 30 to 40 seconds. Um, mm -hmm. And it built a really good habit. And, you know, this is also what got me in contact with the ear candy people. And so mm -hmm. I had seen these people uh, interact with a different group called the Harmony House, which was basically just a collection of singers that like uh, they sort of compiled and asked to be a part of this sort of establishment that, you know, we want five people to sing this song and, you know, sing mm -hmm. whatever song was trending at the moment. And uh, I had basically been on Instagram that day and had seen uh, my good friend, Anthony Gargiula, uh, who mm -hmm. I met at the Acapella Academy uh, and uh, have really become just great, great friends with now, uh, post uh, their, like, basically sort of split from that group and the creation of this new entity called Ear Candy. And so they had posted mm -hmm. on Instagram and, you know, this account had no following yet and was very, uh, a very, very small thing. But I knew two of the people that were literally in the project, which was uh, Naomi Turner and Anthony Gargiula, both having met them at the Aqua Academy. And so I mm -hmm. DM'd the group's page, this Ear Candy page, and was like, hi, uh, I don't know if... Uh, you guys know me at all. Uh, hopefully Anthony does. And if not, like disregard the message, but, uh, <laughs> I'm someone who does a lot with audio production. And I was wondering if you guys needed any help with that. Um, I would love to, to do work for you guys, even if it's free, I'm totally, totally interested. Uh, and so mm -hmm. that, oh, that was a very nerve wracking thing. Cause I don't know. I think rejection is scary. And I was just like, what is the worst that could happen? Literally mm -hmm. like them right. saying, no, okay, sure. Like, you know, I don't, no one's nasty like that in the alcohol community to be like, no. And also I don't like you and you know, all of these things. But so I waited for a response and got a response from Anthony. He was like, Oh my gosh. Hi, Justin. You know, it's been a while, but you know, I hope you're doing well. Yeah. We're actually super, super looking for that sort of thing um, because mostly the members were doing it themselves. And I don't think anyone mm -hmm. in that group, uh, has like a, a strong basis in production is mostly like they mostly were just trying to get the job done. Right. Uh, and so they, you know, did a lot of different tactics to like, you know, make it sound presentable, but I don't know if anyone had uh, the tools as far as like anyone doing all of the, the classic like acapella production standards that are exist now. Right. Um, so they reached out. They're like, yes, we're super interested. We want to, uh, you know, we're not sure of the work you do. We've heard some of your stuff, but we'd like to hear how you would work on our stuff. So we'll like, we'll give you like a trial mix, uh, mm -hmm. which was basically just like a very short uh, cut of put your records on, uh, which uh, I was like, yes, I'm super excited. And so I like took a bunch of time and like really put my all into you know, just making this thing like sound awesome. And so these are also with like a lot of creators that I really respected on TikTok. Uh, people mm -hmm. like Taylor Edlin, people like uh, Sri Ramesh, these like very big uh, accounts then, but even bigger accounts now. Uh, right. And so I was like, I got this, you know, I can do this. And so, uh, you know, did that first mix and they, they really liked it. Uh, and yeah, it's ever since then we've been, you know, I, I think them and I work on usually like three to five projects a week of like various mm -hmm. things of their various arrangers coming to me 
uh, via text and are like, hey, are you, you know, free right now to like work on a mix of this? This is a trending song right now on TikTok and we want to like take advantage of the, we want to take advantage of that. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I've been working with them since uh, basically March of 2020 or so and it has been a delight. Yeah, nice. And that same that same thing actually has kind of carried over into Revoiced because, you know, one of the things that uh, Chris and I had talked about um, on my episode with him was uh, creating these these videos where um, the five of you, which interestingly enough, like, you know, you had just gotten Connor into the group, mm-hmm. uh, Connor Smith, and the, like you guys hadn't physically met him yet, and yeah. so yeah. there was that there was that that transition into getting a new member during the pandemic, and uh, all you were able to do were create these these videos. Yeah. And so the process was process pretty much the same in terms of uh, you know creating doing the audio mixes there, um, or is it is it a, mostly you, or is there a split with? Um, the other guys as well. No, that, I would uh, say um, I, with your candy things, I feel like it is it is often me. But for revoice stuff, I like Chris had a, a huge huge interest in the mixing field. It was very something. Mm-hmm. It was something he really wanted to like get his teeth into, uh, and so yeah. he had a lot of drive with that. So uh, originally, when we started, he was. Uh, I think we had taken like like once the pandemic first started, we had taken a lot of time to just you know, be beside ourselves and like, just be sort of like in our own zone. And there wasn't a lot of communication going on with our group just cause like we were seeing mm-hmm. gigs fall left and right. And so we right. took that time that like few months, uh, and especially with this new guy joining and this new guy having a lot of inspiration to do TikTok, uh, something that I had asked for before I was like, Oh, I think this would be great. Like I have a lot of these mm-hmm. ideas and I think people just weren't, were not interested at that time, but the pandemic right. really opened up this idea that, Oh, maybe we can do it. And I think uh, Chris took the opportunity to like uh, really encourage. Well, I guess uh, encourage is a better word to encourage all of our other members who weren't really as savvy with uh, recording equipment and stuff like that Mm -hmm. to get started. Uh, It was very much something that he was like, look, I'm not asking people to record like full songs. All I want is like these like 30 second snippets. We'll do ooze. We can do whatever. But we need to like get everyone accustomed to recording. Uh, so right. I had a background in that, obviously. Uh, Chris knew about that, uh, as did Connor. But uh, our two other guys, Mark and Roland, were a little bit less savvy with it. Uh, Mark, luckily, mm-hmm. I, like already had equipment, and Roland was just the only person that like we needed to to do some finagling to like get some equipment sent his way and just getting started. Uh, and now he is by far the person who like eats it up the most. He like he he gets <laughs> his stuff in first and uh, just really loves it. But overall the process is is very similar i think except for mm-hmm. with uh our group we're using like all professional grade stuff um versus right. where uh ear candy were uh doing with whatever like people have i'll get times right. often where it's like hey is it okay like this person usually records on like a mic setup but like this week they're traveling like is it cool if they just do it with a phone mic and i'm mm-hmm. like you will hear no argument from me we will do what we need to do with all of what we have so uh, revoice though. Yeah. So we, we are all on like studio setups that, you know, we have at home and, uh, yeah, the process is very similar. Either Chris will, uh, Chris or Connor will arrange something. And generally, uh, the reason why it's not only me doing the mixes is Chris will message me and be like, Hey, 
I arranged this and I also just have a very specific vision for it. Is it cool if I <laughs> do the production? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like, right. you know, take, take your baby and, you know, raise it to adulthood <laughs> indeed. Um, but, um, Overall, I think uh, Connor had a similar idea. He's like, I have a very specific vision for this. And then so I mostly got the mixes that I guess people didn't really have as much of a, a vision for or were mostly just like, okay, like I'm focusing on the ones that I like and Connor's focusing on what he likes. Justin, like you take the rest. Mm -hmm. And like, that's fine with me. Uh, right. I'm someone that I know how the engine works. I know what it takes to like, be in a group and like have all of the wheels need to be the right amount of turning and stuff. And so mm -hmm. I absolutely was happy to, to pick up that slack and yeah, ever since then, like, yeah, we, we just, if, if Chris has a vision, then he'll do it. Or if not, then I'll do it. So, uh, that actually leads me into my next question is, is, um, when you are, you know, doing production, uh, and you're editing and whatnot, yeah. what are some specific things that you listen for? Um, you know, as educators, uh, especially, you know, like a lot of us learn new skills, uh, during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, like you, like you said, Roland and Mark basically learned, you know, getting audio set up and whatnot. Um, but as teachers, you know, a lot of us were teaching via computer and mm -hmm. whatnot and, um, you know, music technology is, is becoming a bigger, bigger part of the curriculum. Um, so what are some things that you listen for when you, uh, when you edit audio? Yeah. Um, I would say number one above all else has to just be energy. Uh, mm -hmm. basically just like the idea of like giving effort to the song. I don't know. I think, uh, I find energy to be the most important thing, but be, uh, because uh, technology is so advancing very rapidly as far as like what we're able to do and how we're able to manipulate audio, uh, energy is by far the most important thing. And I think that's uh, also uh, the hardest thing that I found with educators as far as trying to encourage their students um, if they are recording, um, whether or not it's the teacher recording or they're having me come out to do it. It's just like getting them out of their, their shell. Because I think every mm -hmm. every young aspiring singer is just often like afraid to be too loud. Uh, we're usually like in a small room, and they're like, "Sorry if I'm being a little bit too loud," but they're singing like me, me, like very yeah. quiet. Uh, and so uh, you know, it's energy. I find is the most important thing. Um, I think uh, with that, I think a lot of the other things come. Like if your energy is mm -hmm. there, you're able to do your dynamics well. Um, because mm -hmm. dynamics are huge. Uh, and so I, I think if the energy is there, everything else like really falls into place. Um, and it's something that I talk with all of my clients about, just like give me all of the energy because they're, they're covering songs that are like so uh, electric or just so very, very, very energetic. So yeah, energy mm -hmm. is my main thing. Nice. And so this brings me to my next question because I've had conversations with many people about this and there seems to be two schools of thought. Um, there's the, the natural sounds like when you're done editing and you're done, you know, processing everything and everything's mastered. There's the more natural, this is how you would hear it in performance yeah. versus the, the processed, we're trying to make this sound more like, 
the original track that it came from. Yeah. Um, where where are you on on like which school of thought are uh, you on? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I, 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 we're probably gonna make some people hate us, and I don't care. Um, but <laughs> I'm just curious as to where where you are um, in terms of more on the natural end or more of the processed end in terms of uh, acapella. Yeah, I I think that's the it's it's always the most controversial of topics when it comes to. I think producers in general, and I think uh, this exact question is often asked at a lot of like acapella events when they do roundtables and some people that I've looked up to as mentors and stuff have talked at length about these things. But for me personally, I exist just simply so solely on the natural side of things. Uh, mm-hmm. I... I don't know. I It is just a sound that I've like enjoyed a lot more, and I think it is incredible what like music technology and like production and mixing can do to a song to like really take a song from something that wasn't great or a bunch of recordings that wasn't great and like making it into this like huge spectacle. Uh, but I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't know. I, I think that sort of for me defeats the purpose of acapella in the first place. And when mm-hmm. a group comes to me, like do a recording, I'm not like, I'm wanting to showcase them in the best light, but I also want to showcase them as honestly as possible. You know, I, I think the groups come to respect it a little bit more as well. Um, as a vocal percussionist as well, like drum production in acapella is like one of the most controversial parts of all of this. Like you can have the group sound super like right in your ears and everything sounds super natural. There's not a lot of effects going on and like not a lot of like, you know, crazy ear catching, eye catching like things going on. But the drum production Mm -hmm. is like, you're at like a rave or something and like, or just like something very like there yeah. are, I find when people are looking for someone to do work for them or like, you know, mix an album or edit an album, they're basically the way they're going about it. If they have any choice of like producer they want or any budget, they're just looking for like, how does this person produce drums? And I, I've, I've really, mm. really, really like, I don't know. I have a lot of like back and forth conversation with either the drummer of that group or just whoever is in charge. What if it's an educator and they're like, yeah, like we don't, we don't want it like all like crazy. Uh, Mm -hmm. And for me, when I hear that, you know, it's vague, but at the same time, I know exactly what they're talking about. And many people uh, I find have come to me uh, and before have like worked with a different producer. And they're like, we really like the way that like, this sounds like, you know, our young Tyler, who is just loving VP and is like giving it a whirl versus like, like, you know, in, in prior albums, we felt like we're not even hearing them do the thing. It's all just like a collection of sounds and stuff like that. And I, I don't know, I, I like the creativity that comes with uh, it being a little more natural or a lot more natural, but just being like, I feel like I could close my eyes and look on stage and see this group performing it Mm. versus like something like, I don't know what I hope for my studio stuff is for it to be, uh, just as believable in a live sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, that way it's not like you, you hit the studio and you're like, wow, this is awesome. And you go see the show and you're like, wow, this is not great. This is super different than like what I wanted it to be. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I, I, I saw a discussion recently, uh, on uh, acapella now, or as you know, Casa was uh, this this page yeah. now acapella now that uh, just 
talked about like, you know, as an editor and as a mix, mixing engineer, like where do you feel as far as this idea of like being natural or being more like produced and like heavily produced and stuff like that. And, uh, mm -hmm. something that I very much grabbed hold on to, uh, was just the idea that like editing should be about like polishing what's there, not making it happen in the first place. Like you're mm -hmm. like, as an editor, as a mixing engineer, you shouldn't be like, I don't personally think you should be like creating the product itself. You should just be like polishing the creation that has already occurred. And I think there's a lot mm -hmm. of stuff that you can really like beef up just because it's like necessary. Like, you know, it does need to like the, the drums needs to kick like and really like, you know, shake your car as you're like you're driving and like kind of like be that uh, that boomy mm -hmm. sound. But that doesn't mean like it. It should be this whole different thing. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's. I'm not gonna lie. I thought you were gonna go the other way, but uh, no, I, I. Oh <laughs> like, really? I agree. I, I know. I, I just, I feel like there's, there could be a happy medium. Yeah, completely. You bring, you bring up, you bring up drum production, and, you know, and you make make the comment where, you know, there could be so much oversampling of drum sounds yeah. that it doesn't, it doesn't sound like the person anymore. In fact. It might not even be the person anymore. It could be like pre, you know, pre-existing yeah. drum sounds. Like, like there could be one person that has done drum sounds for every collegiate album in the past, you know, ten years. Yes. For all we know, you it's say could. It starts. I say absolutely does. I, I yes, <laughs> absolutely that is the case. You know, and it's just it's it's interesting to me that. Um, you know, to, to have more, a more natural sound. Um, there's, there's a band out of Buffalo. Well, they're from, they're in the city now, but the, they're called the reign of Kindo. Mm. And they, they have a great song called I hate music. <laughs> and they're, they're kind of like a jazz kind of like fusion. Like they're, they're, they're freaking good. Yeah. I'm just going to put it out there. But in this song, I hate music. The whole lyrical content is, a is literally them saying, you know, um, some like who, passes this stuff that we listen to today as music you know like this this is garbage on the radios and it's like and one of the parts in the court or the bridge of the song is you know there was a time when you couldn't fake your game you yeah. know you'd go uh you know you'd go into the studio when the red light turned on you give the goods and if you weren't good they the producers like get the hell out you know so yeah. uh you know, it's very different these days with the overproduced qualities that we hear in not just acapella music, but just music in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So having that more natural sound and you hear that, and like I hear that in a lot of what Ear Candy does and a lot of what you guys do with Revoiced. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, and you being the vocal percussionist, do you, when you do your own stuff, do you, do you kind of create like a small part that you just kind of sample over and over again or is it just one you just do one full out you know continuous thing and then that's what goes into the track yeah i mean i i think uh the discussion of sampling is always you know a, a controversial one but i think yeah the idea is how i've built a lot of my like samples and stuff like when i do my own work like it, it's me going underneath but the idea is that the only reason sampling occurs is so that uh, the producer can like focus on individual sounds versus if you're just mm -hmm. doing like one recording of the drummer, if you try to like really beef up those kicks and like via EQ or like via just like pushing frequencies up that like would make it like really boo, 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 uh, you're mm -hmm. affecting the other sounds as well. Uh, and so the idea of sampling is just like to have control. Uh, and so 
the way I built like my samples and stuff is that you can't like it. The goal for it is to like, I guess just really beef up the, the scratch take or like, you know, the one, the two, the three takes that you did. The idea is it's supposed, just supposed to elevate that. It's not supposed to like be what the track is. Um, yeah. I've had like many like vocal percussion friends in the past who have worked with various producers. Um, and, uh, like one specific comes to mind where this person like did, a you know, did a bunch of passes in the studio. And then when like he heard the, like the edit or the mix, uh, like some of the patterns he was doing are like even now like drastically different. And he mm-hmm. was like, I feel, uh, just a little like. I guess slighted as like, it's like, Mm -hmm. I wonder like, you know, it's a very jarring thing to like hear that. And like, you didn't know was going to happen. And especially like you go, you get in like really excited to like, you know, here's all the hard work you guys have put in. And then it's completely different than what you did. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't think there's a problem with like changing things around and like stuff like that, but I don't think it should happen after the recording process. I think you as the engineer should be in the room and be like, Hey, I know you're doing the pattern right now like this, but have you ever thought of like existing or a thought of doing it like this here? Uh, mm-hmm. and they're like, Hmm, maybe I haven't. And like, you get that, uh, you allow them to think and like do that creative thinking and that growing versus being like, okay, just do whatever. And then I'm just going to change it later. Uh, because like, we don't have time. Smart. Like, it's like you, you yeah. go, like, I, I don't think VP <laughs> should be the quickest like recording it, it, if anything it should be one of the most involved because you really like want to get this person not to just do something mindless but just do something like what do you really like you know use your brain don't be on autopilot as you're doing this like three minute song um, right i'm a natural guy though for yeah. sure i i, I nice. love i love that sound so this is this uh, going to lead me to a question. I uh, reading through your your bio on the Revoiced website, mm-hmm. musicrevoiced.com. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm just going to read one sentence here. Uh, his musical preferences gravitated to the earworms of Maroon Five, Pentatonics, and the catchy and danceable hits of the K-pop sensation BTS. Now I have to ask you about Maroon Five. Sure. Because there are two, two different trains of thought yes. with Maroon Five. Yes. There's Songs about Jane Maroon 5, and then there's what I like to think of as the the Adam Levine solo show yeah. of what we hear Maroon 5 now. Yeah. So um, I, I guess that's that's part of my question. You know, you're looking at the natural versus processed sound uh, for a band who's been around for, gosh, what, almost 20 years, you know, in the limelight, and uh, they've had to evolve. Uh, so I yeah. guess my question to you is, which which end of that spectrum do you prefer the the old school Maroon Five where you actually heard instrumentalists playing instruments yeah. or um, a lot of what you hear today? Um, I guess. So personally, I very very do much like prefer songs about Jane. Uh, if if I never see your face again, um, like they're like first and second albums. I like were the reason I like kind of came to like them. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I definitely don't enjoy as much the stuff that's coming out um, just because it seems a little less sincere and it seems a little bit li- like less true. And I'm doing a little bit of that like Maroon 5 purist thing where I'm like, they're different than like when they came to be. But I personally yeah. don't like as someone uh, not as like a fan or a listener, as just like someone who 
like observes them, I personally think like them choosing to adapt is not a bad thing in any way. And I think like it's mm-hmm. the same with like a, like a Taylor Swift idea. Like I think music was different then. And, you know, whether or not we want to concede it, like there's a lot of pressure coming from, uh, you know, their management team and their like the people who like, you know, procure these things and like, you know, where the money is like, you know, all these labels one is like, you know, we need to make money on the album. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I think uh, it it is sort of sad to see uh, or, it, it you know, it it brings a little bit of sadness to me when I see an artist release a song that clearly is only about just like trying to pander a little bit like to the times and like be mm-hmm. just like so drastically different, um, which I think like Taylor Swift fans can obviously talk about how different she is now and room five can't mm-hmm. room five fans can do the exact same thing. But right. I don't know. I think um, my negative feelings of them changing is not really towards them. It's just sort of like a shame that uh, whatever people above feel the need that they need to change in order to better be successful versus like if they continue releasing their stuff uh, as it was in songs about Jane and stuff like that, like, I would continue to like really, really love it. Um, mm-hmm. But there are parts of me that I've like really enjoyed uh, some of the new stuff. So that was, that was definitely not an acapella question. I was just, I was just curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I always make the joke with my students as like I like Maroon Five, you know, fifteen years ago as opposed to Maroon Five now. Yes, and stuff like that. So um, the last thing I want to talk to you about is uh, you know is live performing, yeah. which. Revoiced has just started doing again. Huh. So um, my, my questions are, is like, how was it one? And uh, you know, how is it different now mm. uh, compared to um, pre pandemic? Yeah. You know, what are, what are some things that you've noticed in your, your few performances that you've had that have been drastically different compared to um, before COVID? Yeah. Um, I don't, I think for us specifically, like, uh, pre-pandemic in, you know, especially like in 2019, uh, we did upwards of like 25 to like 28, uh, weeks of cruising, uh, and like doing, mm-hmm. uh, shows on cruise ships. And so that definitely was something where we were a little bit tired of just like all of the, the stuff we had to do. It's just like a lot of performing, um, for like a lot of different people and that it was like a little exhausting uh, to be doing so much. Um, but I think, uh, I look back on all that time just so, 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 so fondly, uh, and especially now performing, uh, I guess not necessarily post pandemic, but just, you know, now, uh, mm-hmm. there's definitely a, like a, a new sense of like energy and like excitement that comes to stuff. And especially since we've had like, especially last year to like sort of like reform a new set slightly and like do like a little mm-hmm. bit like new material. There's like a little bit of, uh, anxiety that's like, you know, uh, will this set work as well as like our old, like very polished, very practiced set? Um, but I don't know. I just think there's a, there's a, a huge amount of energy that people are just excited. Um, I think people in the audience are a little, uh, more forgiving on things than they may have been in the past just because they're happy to be there. And I think we as performers are also just like, uh, just excited. Uh, I feel myself, especially like at the, the top of shows and stuff, just like really amped up. And, you know, there's a lot of energy there that wasn't there before. 
Nice. I, I think one of the things that's very impressive too is that all five of you are in five different locations. Yes. And and you like you're in Boston. Uh, you know, Chris is on Long Island. I believe Roland's in Florida. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I forget where Mark is, but Connor's all the way out in like Los Angeles. Yes. So the, the, to be able to make it work, you know, and I think you know having the social media aspect and having the TikTok and Instagram has really helped your group grow. Yeah. Um, this, this iteration of group is, is, is phenomenal. Um, you guys are fantastic and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're a part of it, you, you know? So well, thank you. Absolutely. Uh, Justin Critchfield, it has been an honor to talk to you this week and, uh, I've learned a lot and, um, uh, I, I still, I'm, I'm old, but oh. I love, I know. <laughs> I love hearing everything that you have to say, and I, I love just your your train of thought in terms of where acapella is and and just the things that you do. So thank you so much for joining me this week on the Hockey Education Podcast. Absolutely. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, this is Justin from the Aka Education Podcast here to tell you about Anchor. Anchor is what I use to create these podcasts and let me tell you, it's free. Uh, There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And the beauty of it is we'll distribute the podcast for you. So I can record on Anchor and it's going to send it to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all these other places as well. And I love that I can make money from this podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So be sure to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's so nice to be back. Thank you so much to Justin Critchfield for joining me this week on the Aka Education Podcast. To all the students and educators out there, have a great new school year. Be sure to check out the links in the episode description for resources from this week's episode. Follow the podcast on social media at Aka Ed Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And follow me, Justin Glodish, at Official JGlow on TikTok and Twitter. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We're found on Anchor, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. New episodes released every Monday. You can also now tune into the podcast on Acaville Radio, Acaville.org. If interested in supporting this podcast with a monthly donation, go over to anchor.fm slash podcast to do so. And if you ever have any questions about the podcast, suggestions on future guests, please email me at akaedpodcast at gmail.com or leave a voice message on the Anchor website. From the Aka Education Podcast, I'm Justin Glodish. We'll talk soon.